Well, we've been in this series um, called Death to Self, and over the last three weeks, Pastor Jason has done just an incredible job looking at some biblical examples of people who have died to themselves. So three weeks ago, we looked at the prophet Elisha and how, you know, he served the prophet Elijah and he had to die to himself to eventually have this abundant life. And we see this, this ministry just explode through the prophet Elisha and, and God used him in a mighty way. And he asked for that double portion anointing, right? And ended up getting that, uh, his final, final miracle that God worked him to use was actually long after he had died and his bones resurrected somebody. So pretty crazy, right? It's good stuff. And then the, the next one we learned about was the conversion of Saul. Saul was a terror to Christians and Christ followers. He would imprison them. He would persecute them until he had that one encounter with Jesus, right? On the road to Damascus, he had this encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. And then he became Paul from that point on. And we know that Paul wrote close to two-thirds of the New Testament, and if it weren't for that one encounter with Jesus, I mean, he thought he was right, is, is one of the things that Pastor Jason was talking about. And so death to self for him, it led to um, an eternal purpose, an eternal purpose. And obviously he did some uh, very foundational and incredible things for what we know today as the church. Amen. And then last week we looked at this incredible and crazy story about Jonathan and his armor bearer and how as they died to themselves and took a risk for God, it led to victory. Everyone say victory. victory. Yeah, it led to this victory. And so today, before we get where we're going, we're going to look at somebody who died to themselves this weekend. It was me. I had to build this ridiculous piece of playground equipment. My, uh, my kids, uh, my two boys, for their birthdays was last week. So Silas turned six years old on Wednesday. Ezra turned three years old on Thursday. Their birthdays are back to back, but three years apart. And my parents got them this crazy jungle gym. I didn't bring a picture or anything, but it's just picture this dome of death is what I called it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And, and I'm not exaggerating when I say the box that it came in, it literally was 200 pounds, right? Like, you know, usually like boxes, you know, that have like stuff in it that you have to assemble from like Ikea or some other god awful place. Um, yeah, there's a picture on the box and it shows two little stick men helping each other. You know, it says like, make sure you lift this with help. That wasn't on this box. There was like a picture of like a tractor on this box. Okay. So, you know, it took me probably close to eight hours to put this thing together. And uh, I repented over and over again. It was definitely a dying to self experience. Um, and uh, I don't know, At, in the middle of it, I, I don't know that I felt close to God, but afterwards I drew near to him and praise the Lord that his word says, as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And he heard my cry for help. I made it out alive and, uh, and now it is assembled in our backyard. Die to self, right? So We've started each week of this series looking at this passage in Luke, and it's an incredible passage, but what I wanted to do for today is to start one verse before the passage that we've been looking at. So Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23, says this. This is Jesus talking. He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? So that first verse that we're looking at right now, we haven't looked at in weeks prior. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, when Jesus said, take up your cross, I don't think that he's meaning a literal cross. But let's think for a moment of that word cross, maybe as a verb. For instance, the roads up ahead cross each other, right? And so your will and God's holiness are going to cross each other every day. Amen? It's just true. There is an intersecting point, a collision. The cross is where your will and God's will collide. So when Jesus says to us daily, take up our cross, he's saying, That when God's vertical will and our horizontal will intersect, we have to take that up every day and choose to follow him. Amen. Now that is dying to self, right? God's holiness and your flesh will collide. They will intersect. It's the cross that you bear. And it's only by the power of his Holy Spirit living within you that you are actually able to live for Christ in this way. Otherwise, this crossing point, this intersecting point is impossible to take up our cross. That is a picture to dying to self. So today I want to look at uh, this idea of death to self equals life in Christ. Death to self equals life in Christ. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, we love you so much and we just thank you that you are here with us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. And we just pray right now that you would just do what only you can do, God. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. And, uh, and we just thank you that you are going to continue just to do an amazing work in us and through us, Lord. And God, sometimes it does take dying to ourselves. Sometimes it does take us laying down our will so that we can take up that cross and follow you daily. And Lord, that's our desire is to follow you. And we love you so much and we thank you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, when we look at this idea of death to self equals life in Christ, I want to start off in kind of a different way. And I promise we're going to get somewhere with it. But are you, are you ready to maybe take a ride today? We're going to go on a journey together. You want to? Cool? Sound fun? Woo! Are y'all awake? Good. I am. My son came in my room at 5 a.m. this morning and said he was ready to be up. So, so praise God, right? Throughout God's word, there's reference to God's right hand. His right hand. And usually when it refers to his right hand, it's, it's talking about power and authority and deliverance. And so I was intrigued by this distinction. And there's a whole other study about the right hand of God. And we're not going to get into that today. But I believe that, that through this, we're going to see something pretty profound about being in Christ. A few months ago, I came across a verse. It talks about the right hand of God, but it actually talks about it in a different way. All the prior ways refer to the right hand of God for power, authority, and deliverance. But I came across this verse in the book of Psalms that looks at it in a different way. So we're going to look at that. We're going to start our journey here. Sound good? So in the book of Psalm, chapter 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So where are pleasures forevermore? So we're going to interact a lot today, okay? Because remember, we're on a journey together through this. At his right hand, what is there? Pleasures forevermore. It's awesome. And so, you know, on, you know, maybe some crime movies or, you know, forensic files or, you know, any type of crime type of movie. Does anyone like those type of movies? You're scared to raise your hand, aren't you? Sinners? No. Um, I don't know. Am I allowed to like that in church? Um, Well, you know, when the detective is looking at this wall of photos and clues and he steps back and he's trying to figure out, okay, how does all this make sense together? How does all this tie together? And then as he's figuring out, he starts pinning things and he, he ties like a piece of string from one photo to the other photo to the next clue. You know what I'm talking about? So as I was going through this, this study, I, I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit was doing with me. Like it was, it was so neat. There's this, this red thread, if you will, that kind of goes through God's word and ties everything together and points to Jesus. Cool? And so keep that in mind as we navigate through these passages. And, and, and we're going to have some fun, like I said. So God's right hand is powerful. It's authoritative. But we see here in the book of Psalm that it is also a place of pleasure forevermore. That's pretty cool, right? Now, listen, whether it's intentional or maybe subconscious, if we're not careful, sometimes we remove fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore when it comes to our relationship with God. Because we view God as this powerful authority in our life, which is true. Both are true, but one without the other is incomplete and it's unfulfilling. You know, he is a powerful authority in our lives, absolutely. But he is also the source of joy, fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. If that's good news, say amen. Amen. So as I was reading this and I was looking at that, that distinction at his right hand, then it hit me. That's where Jesus sits. That's where Jesus sits. So then I headed over to Mark in chapter 16, verse 19. It says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus gives the listeners, and us today, the Great Commission, right? Go and preach the gospel. And then he ascends to heaven. And where does he sit? At the right hand of God. What does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus has power. Jesus has authority. But he is also seated in a position where you can have access to fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Amen? Come on, we're talking about joy. We're talking about pleasures forevermore. You can't help but smile when you say the word joy, right? Everyone try it real quick. One, two, three. Joy. See, when you say the oi part, the cheeks go up. Joy. It's awesome. This is where Jesus sits. So what does this have to do with being in Christ? Well, remember the the strings we talked about, you know, The, the clues and attaching things together. So let's jump over to the New Testament book of Ephesians where we're going to see Jesus seated at the right hand of God again. The passage is like this giant run-on sentence because 
Paul is very excited about expressing how powerful and awesome Jesus is. Okay? So we're going to kind of drop down right in the middle of that. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. The people of Ephesus, they were primarily brand new believers. Brand new. Baby Christians, if you will. And up to that point, they were probably involved with a lot of mysticism and, and, and possibly some some different understandings of, of how life works. They didn't have a vast knowledge of Israel's history. They didn't grow up learning about how Israel was delivered from Egypt and how God would make them a great nation. And they didn't learn about how there was a Messiah that would come save them. They were, by biblical definition, Gentiles. Right? They were non-Jews. Before believing in Christ as the way, they were likely involved in superstitions and they were trying to make sense of life with logic and materialism. In human effort, even if things are going well, with that type of outlook on life, it'll always lead to fear and insecurity because we're fallible, we're incomplete, we're imperfect, correct? So Paul was writing them with this urgency to let them know not only how awesome God is, but to also let them know and understand that the old way of thinking and the old way of living is not how it works with Jesus. Because he was trying to express to them, not only is Jesus powerful and seated at the right hand of God, but they were actually in Jesus. And that's a new way of living and a new way of thinking, right? So we see in Ephesians 1 verse 20, God raised and seated Jesus at his right hand. So we're going to have a little bit of review to make sure we're all on the same page, okay? God raised and seated who? Jesus. All right, come on. Full participation. God raised and seated who? Jesus. Jesus. And God raised and seated Jesus where? Right at his right hand. So now, just a few verses later, into the next chapter, we see something pretty amazing. It's chapter 2 of Ephesians, starting in verse 4. It says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now listen to this, verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Everyone say in Christ Jesus, right? In Christ Jesus. So go back to verse 6 on the screen real quick. This is amazing. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Christ Jesus. So a little bit of review right here for this passage, okay? God raised and seated who? Ah, God raised and seated us. And where did he seat us? In Christ Jesus, right? And so check this out. 
If Christ is at the right hand where power, authority, joy, and pleasure are, and we are seated in Christ, then my friends, we have access to that power. We have access to that authority. We have access to that joy and pleasure. Amen? Because we are seated in Christ. Amen? It's okay. You can get excited in church, people. We're seated in Christ. Woo! That's good news, people. We are seated in Christ. Wow. And when you realize this, you live differently. You see life differently. No matter what life throws at you, no matter what storm you are facing, no matter what you are going through, when you begin to realize and live with the knowledge of the fact that you are seated in Christ, you realize that you have access to power. You have access to authority. You have access to this joy. Amen? And so you can be encouraged. And that's what I want for us today. I want you to be encouraged today through God's word that we, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, can be seated in him and he is seated at the right hand. Amen? It's good news. Because Jesus sits in a place of authority and power, we are seated in him. We can share in that authority and power. Now, the way you have life in Christ, it actually has nothing to do with hard work. It has nothing to do with good behavior or good luck. It has nothing to do with self-effort. It's simply being seated in Jesus, being seated in Christ. Yet, for some reason, we still strive to achieve some type of status, right? Like whether we realize it or not, we try to, to do good in hopes that, you know, oh, someone might be watching or God is watching. And yes, it's good to do good. But at the end of the day, the best status one could ever have is dead to self and alive in Jesus. Amen. The greatest status anyone could ever have dead to self alive in Jesus. Yes. We have access. We have access, family. It's good, right? It's good news. Wow. When we are truly in him, we have access to blessing and benefit that we can never deserve or earn on our own. So I showed you all that to simply show you that when we die to ourselves, remember the the first thing we looked at, taking up our cross daily, right? Denying ourselves, dying to our own will, dying to our flesh, and we realize that we are seated in Christ, that's when we realize how alive we truly are. It's when we realize how alive we truly are. And so maybe today you find yourself struggling. You feel empty. You don't feel that life. And I encourage you, step back and look. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have access. You have access to that power and fulfilling joy and pleasure forevermore. It's found in him. Because he's seated at the right hand. And you're seated in him. Therefore, it is rightfully yours. Be encouraged this morning. Amen? If this is encouraging anybody, wave your hand at me. So I make sure. Okay, good. I didn't know if I should stop now or keep going. Keep going? Cool. Everyone say, in Christ. So I showed you that to show you we are truly alive. But let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 
starting in verse 13. This is New Living Translation. It says this. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. I love that passage. (laughs) If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe, guys, listen to this. This this is it. This is this is the one right here. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. Remember the series is death to self. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we believe that all died to our old life. So verse 15 says this, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That's powerful, isn't it? So if that doesn't explain death to self equals life in Christ, I don't really know what does. It's it's good news. But wait, there's more. (laughs) This exact passage actually leads into what is probably the most profound and important verse when it relates to us being in Christ. And maybe you don't know where I'm going yet, but you might recognize it when it's on screen. 2 Corinthians 5.17, New King James Version says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, this room is way too quiet for that good of a verse. I'm going to start over. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? (laughs) Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Woo! Guys, old things have passed away. Man, if that doesn't minister to you. (laughs) Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, not some things, not the messed up parts, not the parts that no one knows about, not the parts that you're actually okay with. All things have become new. Hallelujah. If anyone is where? In Christ. In Christ. Old things are gone. New things are here. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come back up as we close this portion out. We're not wrapping up quite yet, but we're going to do some things differently today. Okay, so I know we got kind of like, wow, woo, wow, this is just overwhelming. This is just like, wow, this, wow. Old things are gone, new things are here. If we're in Christ, we're new creations, right? Well, we're going to have a little bit of fun right now, okay? Can we do that? Maybe you've already been having fun. I have. <laughs> so, how many of you, well, let me say it this way. I guess this can be maybe a confession, okay? And maybe I can set some of you men free in the room, okay? I love HGTV. (laughs) Does anyone? (laughs) 
HGTV, right? Home and Garden Television. <laughs> I'm glad it's called HGTV, otherwise I might not have used this illustration. Right? I love HGTV. It's just, you know, Fixer Upper. Chip and Joanne, right? It's awesome. I love HGTV. And so listen, what I'm going with this is if we have new creation status, new creation status, it would be like you receiving a letter in the mail from HGTV saying this, congratulations, you won. You have all new things. It's a full-on fixer-upper. Right? New kitchen. (laughs) Got a witness. New living space. Right? Amazing spacious bedroom and bathroom, right? Got this letter saying, congratulations, you won. But how crazy would it be if we took that letter and proudly displayed it, maybe framed it, hung it on our wall, in our old space? We tell our friends about it. I got this letter. It says I won from HGTV. Chip and Joanne signed it. And you maybe snap a picture of it, post it on your Facebook, post it on your Instagram for all to see. You're proud of this letter. But you never actually pick up the phone and call the number to claim the prize. The status is there. You have new creation status. You have this letter saying, congratulations, you won. But you aren't willing to clear out some of the old stuff to make room for the new. Right? Oh, we're proud of our letters. Man, we post it on Facebook. If we're really bold, we tell our friends. But man, We have new creation status, but we don't want the new creation process. It's going to take you dying to self. It's going to take you taking a look at your living space and realizing, wow, there's still a lot of the old me here. There's still a lot of the old that needs to be cleared out. Jesus paid the price for you to be in Christ, in Him. You have new creation status. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. But that second part, we get hung up on sometimes. Because the old things, maybe we like some of those old things. Or, maybe we're ashamed of some of the old things. So rather than surrendering them to Jesus, we hold on to them. new and it's going to take effort it's going to take your willingness to surrender it's going to take your willingness to die to yourself because death to self 
is life in Christ. Amen? So I think this passage that we're about to look at sums up this and what I was saying earlier about power, authority, pleasure, and joy being at God's right hand, which is where Jesus sits, which is where we are seated because we are seated in Jesus. So how do we have access to all of this? Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of the King. Amen? We are all one in Him. Therefore, giving us access. We've been grafted in. We've been adopted into the family. We are rightful heirs. Amen? We have access to new creation status and new creation living. And that type of life is fulfilling. It's full of joy. It's full of pleasure forevermore. Because it's at God's right hand, which is where Jesus sits, which is where we're seated. Amen? Let's bow our heads just real quick. Maybe you're in this place. And you don't have new creation status. Maybe you've never opened your heart and said, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you realize now your need for him to be your Savior. You realize now that there is an emptiness, there is a void in your heart, and it can only be filled with that relationship with him. So if anyone is in here, anyone in this place, want to take a moment and say, now is that time. You've been thinking about it. You've maybe even been putting it off. Now is that time. Surrender to God. Invite Christ to come in. Receive this new creation status. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Anyone in the room? I see your hand also. Praise God, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Great. Great. Before we move on, man, let's pray right now. I ask that you would just open your heart if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, but you know that's you. You know that's you. Would you open your heart and invite Jesus in? I'm going to just lead a quick prayer. And just receive him. Put your faith in him. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you lived a perfect, sinless life so that you could be that perfect sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for taking away my sin, washing me clean, giving me new creation status. Thank you that you rose again to give me life. Lord, we pray right now that you would give us the strength we need to walk this life out to lay claim to what is rightfully ours because of what you've done. To not only have new creation status, but new creation living. We just love you and we thank you, Lord. If Jesus is seated where power, authority, and joy, and pleasure are, when we are in Christ with new creation status, let's start living that way.